What up, it's your boy, the Mark Rob, aka Sean Mad Love, aka Gordon Darks, aka Pacey Twitter, aka Four Eye Willie, aka Marco's Modern Life. <laughs> Coming at you with a lost episode this week. Now, this episode was originally recorded on April 26th, and it should have came out May 6th, but I ended up dropping the two deleted scene episodes back to back. Um, and then when me, Kat, and Kellen kind of got into the rhythm of doing Great Expectations, uh, we kind of got, well, I'm not going to blame anyone else. It was my fault. So sorry about this one, Kat. Um, but the reason, the purpose of this episode was a follow-up to our April 15th episode entitled, Why is Justin Timberlake in a Shrek Movie? And basically kind of the opposite of what that episode was, was kind of based on an idea that Kat wrote for her personal blog, kind of about how Shrek and the Shrek franchise kind of seemingly had this domino effect on the, on the movie industry. And I thought it really interesting. And so with that small episode was kind of like a tidbit to where her writing piece was. And then this episode, which you're about to hear now, was supposed to be a follow-up to that writing piece. So in the show description, I'm going to link Kat's piece. Definitely read it. It's worth a read. And the episode is worth a listen. Check it out. Enjoy. So that was pretty gnarly. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Um, it was the acting. I can tell the acting was terrible. Like I, I fully know isn't the that, acting was really bad. Isn't that the point? Yeah. So you're not supposed to like really come with like a plot, expecting a plot in that type of movie. So I did not really expect one, but I can tell the acting was like still really bad. But it was it was pretty decent. It was pretty decent. Did you? Rewatch first Shrek. Sure did. How did that go? In light of Disney making self-aware movies about the Disney tropes, like Enchanted and Rapunzel and Tangled, and Rapunzel and Tangled, like Enchanted, Tangled, <laughs> and Frozen. Yeah. It really draws attention to how just outright mean Shrek is. <laughs> You would qualify Shrek as mean? Well, first, I think examining the corporate history is important here. Yeah. Shrek was a children's book written in the 90s by a guy named William Steig. Steig, I'm sorry. I'm, I, <laughs> I, I could not find a coherent, like, official phonetic spelling of it. So I'm going with Steig because that's what I like better. Okay. Um, and Steven Spielberg was like, yes, please option it i want it great now in the early 90s jeffrey katzenberg was fighting a lot with michael eisner who's the head of the disney company at the time jeffrey katzenberg was the head of the studio jeffrey katzenberg was like very determined to show up all the time like he had two phones going in his office simultaneously he would show up at 6 a.m and not leave until like 10 p.m like he 
wanted to win yeah everything and uh according to numerous sources all of which are uncorroborated but like michael eisner had said if if anything happens to frank wells who's the president of the company that role will go to you jeffrey katzenberg and jeffrey was like okay cool i'm really glad all this work i've been doing has been worth it and then michael eisner was like i never said that i would never like (laughs) and then he was like excuse me what the fuck And so then his contract, which was written in appallingly plain English, went to court where this legal battle dragged out for years. And like Michael Eisner, who had written a memoir, his memoir notes got subpoenaed. And one of the things in the memoir notes were like, did you ever say to your your memoirist about Jeffrey Katzenberg I think I hate that hateful little midget. Oh, shit. (laughs) And he was like, uh, maybe. (laughs) And it wound up being shown that like Eisner was maliciously withholding that bonus from the end of his paycheck. Like whatever. I, I get it. It's like rich people problems, but I do think it's kind of important when you look at the, those land, the landscape, the landscape of DreamWorks. I almost just said the land work of dreamscapes. Shout to dyslexics all, all around the world. Yeah, that in in the landscape of DreamWorks, I think this is all kind of important contextually. And because Shrek was their first really big movie, I do also think that those became synonymous with the DreamWorks formula. So I do think it's worth like visiting. So sorry, this is a history heavy one, guys. So... With his share of the money, Katzenberg started DreamWorks SKG with Spielberg and David Geffen. That's what the SKG in DreamWorks was for. It's, it's their initials. It's cute. It's because <laughs> they're friends. And then Michael Eisner was like, oh, God, oh, no. But like, pff, what are they going to do? Try and steal all our animators? They, they did try to steal all their animators. What are they going to do? Try to get better in the genres we've had no success in? Yeah, they did. Road to El Dorado and that Moses movie that I can never remember the name of and <laughs> stuff. And also by just ripping off Pixar. Like Ants came out the same year as Bugs Life. This came out the same. Uh, Shrek came out the same year as Monsters, Inc. Uh, like, Shark uh, Tale came out the same year as Finding Nemo. Big like Dante's Peak versus Volcano Energy. Exactly. And those movies were not bad, but they were decidedly not like Disney movies, you know, like, so they had some actual legitimate competition for the first time in a really long time. And that was really stressful. And the secret kind of sauce of Shrek, I think, is that he finally had a place to, Katzenberg did, who's an executive producer on the film, had a place to put all of his ire all of his venom all of the stuff that had been stockpiling his frustration about disney the company and how it was constraining him and michael eisner especially into a movie which by the way disney had already done hercules in hercules hades is modeled off of katzenberg oh wow (laughs) so like This was 
I don't want to say it wasn't new because there were a lot of things that were new about it, but it was Lord Farquaad is based off of Michael Eisner. <laughs> and Michael Eisner is trying to eradicate the magic so everything can be low budget and cheap, but perfect. Hilarious. And once you realize that's like the central metaphor and it's actually just, it's not shitting on fairy tale tropes. It's shitting on Disney specifically. Yeah. It gets a lot like murkier, I guess. Like, I still think, I still think it holds up pretty good. Actually. I had a really good time watching it, but oh man, like there, well, first of all, there's a couple, did you rewatch it? Yeah, I watched it. I watched it. a couple jokes where I was just like, oh. I mean, there's a lot of dick jokes. I a lot of dick, a couple of foreign jokes. Uh, Do you think he's compensating for something? Also, <laughs> fun fact. Also, I have a lot of facts. Sorry. I could have written a Shrek thesis. I just didn't. Shrek was originally going to be voiced by Chris Farley. Oh, wow. In fact, they had 80% of the lines done and then he died. Oh, wow. And Mike Myers didn't find out about that until after. Hmm. No one told him. That's that's pretty strange. It's very strange. But at the same time, uh, they redid $2 million worth of animation when Mike Myers went, you know, I know I did all the lines for Shrek already. I know, I know, but... What if we made him Scottish? That was, I that was kind of inter- it was interesting in a weird way. I was very I was kind of thrown off by the accent a little bit. I think you get used to it by the end because there's a lot of like weird stunted choices in that movie. Yeah, like when uh, Robin Hood comes in and has that really obnoxious accent, it so normalizes Shrek's not great accent. <laughs> I there was first parts I didn't know what he was even saying. I was that was pretty out there too. I also though the uh I like a good fight and a saucy little maid. Basically what I'm saying is he or basically what we're saying is he likes to get paid. That like, was crazy. <laughs> that was wild. Toy Story would never. I think that there are a lot of really good moments. In Shrek. I think there are a lot of, I think it's a really good movie for needle drops. I think the music in it is really good. Yeah. This was just one thing that I really noticed watching it through this time. And I thought it was interesting. And I also think it's probably indicative of Katzenberg's feelings. If you were to say like, there's a message of Shrek, what do you think it is? I would say something along the lines of, uh, loving yourself learning le- learning to love yourself and be comfortable in your own skin some on those lines right and also i would say kind of the take-home message for viewers might also be like don't judge other people based on how they present yeah but fuck short people <laughs> uh yeah the uh the large green you know questionable looking people don't want to be judged, but they are a lot of judging for the short people. So, you know, if they had made this central jokes about Farquaad being that he was an asshole, that would have been fine. But the fact that she like pushed his little Marquette down in the cake and like they kept making comments about his size 
I was like, yeah, don't judge a book by its cover unless it's a short book. Fuck short books. Hilarious. Also, Maybe. for those for those of you at home, uh, I know you can't see this because this is an audio medium, but I am drinking a cider out of a, a pear cider out of a Shrek green can for this episode because nice. we we love immersion on this year <laughs> podcast. Nice. I don't hate the story idea, really. Yeah, the story is pretty decent. Like I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. For me, getting into it was a. a bit of a task i didn't really get into it until eddie murphy kind of like really went off the rails a bit i guess you don't entertain much do you i like my privacy you know i do too that's another thing we have in common like i hate it when you got somebody in your face you're trying to give them a hint and they won't leave and then there's that big awkward silence you know can i stay with you uh, what can i stay with you please of course. Really? No. Please, I don't want to go back there. You don't know what it's like to be considered a freak. Well, maybe you do. But that's why we got to stick together. You got to let me stay. Please, please. Okay. Okay. But one night only. Oh, thank you. Ah. What do you know? Oh, no. this is going to be fun. We can stay up late, swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. And then we got to like the rescuing scene. I was kind of in, into it then. Yeah. But the early parts is kind of it's kind of slow for the it, boy. It takes a minute, but that's kind of uncommon in kids' movies. And that's yeah. also kind of nice. I would um, say it's definitely uncommon, although, yes. God, like, remember how I talked about the overcom for, for those of you who are confused, uh, I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> uh, by the time this episode comes out for the 20th anniversary of Shrek about examining Shrek not only as a film but as like a piece of time, basically. You did. And if if the over-commercialization of the franchise affects the viewing experience, or at least affects the like feelings you would have about even being willing to embark on the experience again. Because for me, I'll be honest, it took a lot of like emotional wherewithal to like do this. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, oh God, okay. So I've been on the attraction at Universal Studios that's like offensively bad. Do you remember the Shrek ketchup that turned your tongue green? What about the Shrek kid cuisine with swamp pudding that looked like diarrhea? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Work it. That's right. Yeah. Woo, that's a good looking donkey. Hey, you're not as clean as you think. Count on dial antibacterial protection to wash away germs. Look for Shrek body wash and hands up inspired by the movie. You're the one sexy beast. Really? No. Oh, aren't you glad to use dial? Happy day! Now Twinkies have the same great taste you love with Ogre Green Creamy Filling. Wow! In celebration of Shrek 2. Available now on video and DVD. Rated PG. Now that's the stuff. Hostess. Oh, come on. Who would eat a Sunday with worms? <laughs> oh, no. Help. A Shrek Hot Sludge Sunday, Inspired by Shrek 2. Only at Paskin Robbins. Yeah, this is funny. I got a couple of my snaps. This Kia Sedona is one of the best values around. It has a V6 engine, 10-year warranty, free Shrek 2 DVD with test drive, and starts under $21,000. Now when you test drive any new Kia at a participating retailer, you'll receive a free Shrek 2 DVD, the number one comedy of all time. And for a limited time, get up to 2,000 cash back plus 2,000 competitive bonus on selected Kia models. Blah, blah. Introducing Shrek cereal. Shrek and Donkey. No, just Shrek. But everybody loves Donkey. New Shrek cereal. Not donkeys. Hey! 
Remember that like All Star was everywhere forever because it was the Shrek song? Whoa, you hold on. You so I'm aware it's from Mystery Men first, but like that's gonna, not how my generation associates it at all. Uh, I was gonna say so. Well, yeah, like we. I just know it just being just a pop smash. That you associate it with everybody my age does. Shout out to Smash Mom. <laughs> Everyone in my generation. So for you, when you were writing this piece and you were kind of going through just sort of your history with Shrek and kind of what you've seen it, the Shrek effect on pop culture and consumerism. Mm -hmm. And now obviously Disney has kind of pivoted to where they have some kind of self-parody movie types. And so now you come to this piece. And you're creating mm-hmm. this piece and you're thinking of ideas and you finally write it. So overall, like, how are you, what are you feeling about the kind of a Shrek effect now? Like, do you think that this is something that in the long run maybe didn't have like the lasting effect that it probably thought it would have? Do you think that Disney can ever face another parody machine outside of the Disney spectrum? Like, what do you kind of think? So I think that because Shrek became the thing it was parodying, an overwrought, overmarketed fairy tale, that it's never going to have the legs it had, at least not with kids my age. I think that the Shrek memes are like, that's how Shrek is going to live on. And someday, you know, someone's kid is going to be like, what was that from? And they're going to watch it and they're going to be like, that was okay. But like (laughs) DreamWorks has made better movies. Pixar has made, but like, it's, it's a good movie. I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. Yeah. It's not a great movie. And I think that a lot of the elements that were charming at the time were charming for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think it was the first movie to really come out like big budget movie to come out and be like, whoa, what the fuck, Disney? (laughs) And I think that stuck with a lot of people. Like I I mentioned in the article that I felt that for a lot of kids, it was their introduction to those fairy tales because Disney as a studio had tried to kind of take a different direction. And they weren't doing as many fairy tales in the early 2000s. Yeah. But for their older siblings who maybe had to take them to the movies, that was their first introduction to subversion. Yeah. They liked it because it wasn't perfect. They liked it because it was weird and like kind of gross. And there are a lot of penis jokes and farts and things. Yeah. I know a lot of at the time I was in high school, but even in college, I still knew a lot of kids my age who likes Shrek. And so it always kind of stuck with them in that time period. I think it's a really foundational text on meta text. Yeah. And also like, it's a very good example of like tongue in cheek humor. Yeah, I would say so. I, 
I also think it's totally negated by its other movies. Shrek 2 is okay. I watched a chunk of it and I was like, this is what I remember it being. Like, it's good. It does a lot of things that I think are good in terms of like a sequel where like it expands the universe. It introduces new characters that are like relevant to the the greater universe and also relevant to this particular story. And it escalates on like the plot beats without being too much. So instead of Fiona feeling like she's the one who needs to change to be with Shrek, now Shrek is feeling self-conscious and maybe that he needs to change to be right in her world. And it's surprisingly earnest. But there's also a lot of like, I really like the fairy godmother. I think she's a great, it's a great idea for her to be a villain. You better have a good reason for dragging us down here, Harold. Well, I'm afraid Fiona isn't really warming up to Prince Charming. Um, FYI, not my fault. No, no, of course it's not, dear. I mean, how charming can I be when I have to pretend I'm that dreadful ogre? No, no, it's nobody's fault. Um, perhaps it's best if we just call the whole thing off, okay? What? what? I mean, you can't force someone to fall in love. <laughs> I beg to differ. I do it all the time. Have Fiona drink this and she'll fall in love with the first man she kisses, which will be charming. Um, no. What did you say? I I, I can't. I I won't do it. Oh, yes, you will. If you remember, I helped you with your happily ever after. And I can take it away just as easily. Is that what you want? Is it? No. Good boy. I also think the, the I need a hero scene at the end may be one of the best, like, wrap-up fight scenes in a movie. But... I remember seeing Shrek 3 as a kid. Like I was probably like eight or 10 when it came out. I was like target Shrek 3 age, right? Yeah. And I remember sitting there and going, how dare you? Like, (laughs) what is this? Why are we doing this? I don't need a movie about Shrek's panic about being a father. I just don't. (laughs) I mean, what was the, uh, the time gap between Shrek, Shrek 1 and Shrek 3. Shrek 1 and Shrek 3, I think it's from 2001 to 2007. Hmm. So, I mean, six, six year gap, you know, I guess maybe the target audience for f- the first one, maybe they're s- starting to have babies. I don't know. I don't know. I don't got nothing for you. That's, that is kind of a weird thing. They're Shrek the third To me, and apparently the fourth Shrek is Shrek Forever After apparently is better. But frankly, I cannot bring myself to see it. There's a fourth Um, Shrek movie? I had no clue. Yes, there is a fourth Shrek movie. There's also a future length musical. There's a short film that shows at Universal Studios every day. You can also watch it on Netflix if you'd like. There were several TV specials. There's one where he freestyle raps, which I recently discovered and feel I have never felt clean since I discovered that. There, there's a it's it's a lot and this is what i mean right like there's a scene in shrek 2 where where fairy godmother is trying to present to fiona that if she just marries prince Tra- like basically if she kills shrek and marries her son then she could have everything she ever wanted oh and my. she starts piling on all these things rapid fire and it's like too much and that's exactly what happened to shrek Jeez. like as a franchise 
was they were just like, you could have Shrek chicken nuggets. Like we, we could have Shrek dolls. They need to have babies so they can sell baby dolls. Like we need Shrek footballs. We need Shrek at Universal Studios. We like, it just kept going. Yeah. Saturation. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, there's I, a Shrek operation game. I mean, I know that has to be Shrek Monopoly somewhere. It has to be. Yeah, there's also a Play-Doh Shrek Root Canal simulator. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's uh, doing the most. I think Shrek 1 is really good. I think Shrek 2 is okay. I think they just, as someone who lived through the Shrekening and was the target demographic of the Shrekening, that to me feels like why we won't have standalone movies ever again. I was going to ask you about that. So do you think that even just beyond animated films, who's going to be the one to take down the Disney conglomerate if that's ever going to happen? Do you think that's not like ever going to happen? I think what's going to happen is it's going to be that people are going to get tired of Disney. And at this point, they spend so much to make so much. But if they lose however much they're making, eventually it's not going to be sustainable. I just, I don't know. I think 96 Star Wars shows from now and hell, (laughs) uh, the next Marvel show. And I really like Loki too. So I'm bummed that I'm already like, oh my fucking God already. Who, I don't think the burnout's going to happen. Well, no, no, let me, no, I was going to say, let me bring it back. I know the burn, I know the burnout itself is going to happen, but it's like one of those things to where it's like, what are you going to do? Like I'm someone that loves star Wars and I'm someone that loves the MCU to get my fix for that. I have to go through them now. Yes. And there's, there's no way around that. Right. But I do think eventually people are just going to buy them on DVD, pirate them. They're not going to want to go to the theme parks anymore. Oh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but like, I am worried at this point that because the head of the Disney company at this time is what I would call a known economizer. Yeah. Risks are going to stop. And the things that people really love about Disney, especially recently are going to stop and everything is going to be committee tested and everything is going to have to be frozen or they're not going to want it. Or I guess Moana frozen or Moana. You got two options or a live action remake of a Disney classic. And eventually, I do think people will get tired of that. I hope that I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. I mean, I think we're in I think we're in a time period of now to where conservatism and hyper reaction to change is really f- crystallizing in a lot of ways to where people are are kind of batting down the hatches against just sort of different shit. It's Did so- you see 2017 Beauty and the Beast? No. So LeFou is gay in that, which is frankly like the worst and kind of most offensive character to make your first like out gay character. But whatever, Disney, go off, I guess. So even conservatives now are like Disney put its money with the woke mob by acknowledging that there are gay people and not wanting racist animatronics in their theme parks anymore. So conservatives are are not big Disney people right now. If you want to get really upset or or rather just lose your faith in people go look at the splash mountain hashtag 
I was like, gonna say, who, who said who said I had faith in the people? I mean, I go outside. Well, I I see people outside every day. I don't have faith in any of these people. So that's fair. I think we're in a time of uncertainty. I think we're in a time of a lot of push and a lot of pull, and maybe we're kind of coming to a point of just sort of if these forces keep pushing and pulling, where's kind of the gain on either side? Like, yeah, I know that there's like conservatives that, as far as like the quote unquote like uh social justice warriors and that is fucking a ridiculous term and you know and there's also people that are really trying to push diversity and i guess we're kind of in a moment of i guess who's going to back down first maybe but i don't have faith in i don't have faith in conglomerates of corporations so i i agree with you like i'm, I'm of the same mindset as you as i don't really have the faith that it will change but I would love for it to change, but who's actually going to do it? I mean, my hope is that, and this is why I'm a little upset that Riot and the Last Dragon didn't do very well. And by the way, there's still a chance that they'll just acknowledge it was the pandemic and bring it back out next year and like, it'll be fine. But like, I have anxieties that they're going to bring Riot and the Last Dragon out. And because it is a non-musical adventure film with a non-white female protagonist, that's going to just, might not even open the door for, but at least keep the door propped for other slightly outside of the normal Disney sphere ideas. Maybe, maybe, hopefully. And the, if they make money. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the key. Because 2015 Cinderella made bank. And it was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. It was a great spectacle movie. It was very, it was a very, it was a very Kenneth Branagh project. But the issue is, and this is something that you can see reflected in like how they merchandise at the Disney stores, right? Yeah. Tim Burton Dumbo comes out. Same year they release the original Dumbo from the Disney vault about six months after that movie comes out. They start merchandising both simultaneously. Then they walk out the Tim Burton Dumbo and keep the classic Dumbo going. The idea of those live action remakes are to advertise for the animated classics. Yeah. And it's to get people to go, oh shit, I totally forgot about Dumbo, the Jungle Book, whatever, 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 right? I should show that to my kid. Wash, rinse, and repeat ad nauseum. So not only do they make money when they come out the first time, even if nobody ever watches them again, they will go, you know, that really sucked shit. And now I just want to watch the original, which I know did not suck shit. Yeah. So my concern for them is that they're going to get high on their own supply, stop taking risks, and that people are going to get tired of it eventually. And I I think that 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 day is going to come sooner rather than later if they're not careful. I guess the point of that is just what the whole movie industry now is like, I mean, theaters are, theaters are really on their last leg. They're trying to bring it back, trying to get people in the movie theaters at the, at the end of this. I mean, we're still in the pandemic. So, we're, I mean, just, I don't know. I don't even know if really, really even near the end of the pandemic. I doubt it, but theaters are dying a lot of them are dead independent film and non IP film. They were kind of on the, their last leg anyway, before this. And then the coronavirus pandemic just kind of exacerbated it. I also think though, that there's going to be a great rush of people back now because movie theaters are a thing that people have taken for granted for a really long time. And now they've been gone. <sighs> I don't know. I, I don't see it ever happen for a while. Yo, 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 a quick word here. With this episode being recorded two months ago, 
I clearly did not foreshadow what the world would do when theaters open up. Looking at the numbers as of today, so far, Black Widow, which has only been out for roughly about two or so weeks, has grossed worldwide roughly about $270 million. And Fast 9, which released on May 19th, has grossed just under $600 million worldwide. So we all kind of know that even though the pandemic is still going on, the world is still opening back up. And (laughs) maybe I should have knew better, but I didn't. So I totally did not predict these kind of numbers. I know we are in Boston. They're pretty strict about things in a good way. Are there theaters open in Boston? There are. Uh, I haven't been to any yet because I want to be able to have a popcorn and a beer while I'm doing that and not like fear for my life. Yeah. But they're out there. I mean, yeah. I mean, Texas there, some of them are open, but I don't know, man. It's And also it's kind of like, even, I mean, last night's was the Oscars. There's a lot of movies that were nominated for best film that I don't think were necessarily popular. But then it's kind of like, how do you judge popularity during the pandemic? Like it was before you well, could do it based on like, you know, ticket sales. But now it's kind of like, yeah, what are people actually The thing watching? that I think is, is going to happen, right, is first of all, I think people are going to realize eventually that $30 premium rentals are not as sustainable as people think they are. I also think that the HBO Max model is going to implode eventually because a lot of smaller studios get paid percentages of ticket sales. Yeah. And they only get a flat fee for streaming. So like Focus Features, which was a co-producer on Dune, had to lay off two thirds of its staff. And the movie's not even out yet, but that's not going to change anything because everybody's going to watch it on HBO Max for free. And, you know, me going to see it three times is not going to save those two thirds of jobs. Yeah. A lot of people are applauding Warner Brothers and being like, they're for the people. And like Warner Brothers didn't want this either, guys. Because now no one's going to work with Warner Brothers. So I'm glad they've got their next year and a half pipeline sorted because after that, they're fucked. Yeah. I mean, no small studio is ever going to trust them again. I'm really fearful, man. Really fearful of the future of movies. Do you still have hope, Kat? I do. But I think it's because I'm a generally hopeful person, not because I think it's going to be okay. (laughs) Stay hopeful. I guess that's the other thing. Just stay hopeful, man. Stay hopeful. Live from an undisclosed location in a basement in New York City, it's me, Crank, ruler, well, mayor of Dimension X and the producer of the hottest new pod in that dimension or this one, the Shredhead Pod, starring the Blasian Baddie, aka Google Chrome Dome, aka Ado Nobu Nigga, aka my best friend, Oroku Saki. A.K.A. The Shredder. And we put aside our differences with the Ninja Turtles to be your weekly source of hot takes, sports, and entertainment news. Stay all the way and hear who Saki has named as his Cretan of the Week and find something valuable in the Shred Commendations. So we'll see you on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever your pods are cast. The Shredhead Pod is a member of the Hyphen Podcast Group. So in the way that Shrek obviously was like throwing jabs at Disney, but then 
caved in on itself. Can anyone do this now ever again and kind of get away with it? Because like you, like you say, you name movies that parry that Disney made to parry itself, but I don't even know like what. Cause I know like for example, I know like Deadpool and Deadpool Two sort of self parody. You know the action movie, like the comic book movie shit, yep. and those are successful. But I mean, it didn't really change anything. No. I don't know that Shrek changed anything in how we do kids' movies either, except that they made a lot of meaner kids' movies as a side effect. (laughs) Um, I'm sure that probably sounds really rude as well, but like there are a lot of cynical kids' movies out there now that didn't need to. And and when I say cynical kids' movies, I mean cynical animated ensemble kids' movies where everyone's voiced by a celebrity, including Gorilla Number 3 that has to be voiced by Rami Malek or they're not doing it. But also it's Rami Malek with a German accent. You wouldn't even know it was him unless you looked at the credits. I think that Shrek has made it clear that subversion works, which is fine. But when everything is subversive, every non-Disney thing is subversive. Because let's be honest, even the Disney things that are subversive, right, of the Disney formula still come out in sincerity spades. They've got a lock on the sincerity market. Disney is so goddamn earnest, even when they're parodying themselves, like doves are flying out of their assholes, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And I say that as somebody who enjoys a good Disney movie, like I really do. I just think that when everything is subversion, subversive, nothing can be. And whether or not they did this on purpose, and I don't think they did, Shrek has made all the really earnest movies stand out in comparison. Yeah. Because the Illuminations are cynical. The Blue Sky Studios are often cynical, except their Peanuts movie. The Peanuts movie is perfect. I will not take questions at this time. But like (laughs) most other kids projects now have a degree of cynicism because of Shrek. Yeah. And now Disney animated pictures stand apart as this kind of sparkling paragon of integrity even when they're parodying themselves yeah i do think at the same time though like i was talking with my friend who's who's a big shrek fan about this and he was like right okay i understand that shrek is like the center of the narrative and all but like this is about fiona's arc like this is about her overcoming abuse and like being trapped for years and years to discover who she is and who she wants to be and reclaiming who she is. Yeah. And that's honestly the most enjoyable take of this movie I've had. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It's a very good adventure film, but it's also a really good story about choosing who you want to be versus who other people want you to be. And it's nice to see that in women characters, especially. Yeah. For her character, for the other two movies, how was her development in those movies? She's okay in Shrek 2. She's kind of being taken for a ride by the fairy godmother's son. Because the idea is that Shrek gets a potion that turns both of them human. But she doesn't know what Shrek looks like as a human. Oh. So they kidnap Shrek and the son is pretending to be Shrek. Oh. <laughs> but also like when her parents see her and she's an ogre she's just like yeah whatever like you said to break the spell but you didn't say how i'm doing me like sorry this isn't enough for you i've wanted to be there for you but you locked me in a castle for a decade hold on so what's the point of shrek wanting to look human so shrek sees how much her fiona and her parents are fighting and she's gonna be queen someday and they can't ever have an ogre as a qu- what the hell like 
this is like her parents put so much pressure on them and are so upset with Fiona that he feels the only way that he can make it right is if he makes them both human. Oh, okay. And he also like finds a diary of hers that was talking about like how much she wanted a Prince Charming when she was little. And like, it's a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah. But it also introduces my favorite character in the Shrekiverse who got his own standalone feature film, Puss in Boots, voiced by Antonio Banderas. He is a very good boy and I love him very much. Shrek and Donkey on another whirlwind adventure. Ain't no stopping us now. Woo! We're on the move. Stop, Ogger. I have misjudged you. Join the club. We've got jackets. On my honor. I am obliged to accompany you until you have saved your life, as you have spared me mine. I'm sorry. The position of annoying talking animal has already been taken. Let's go, Shrek. Shrek? Shrek! Oh, come on, donkey. Look at him in his wee little boots. You know, how many cats can wear boots? Honestly. Oh, let's keep them. Say what? Oh, oh listen, he's purring. Oh, so now it's cute. Oh, come on, donkey. Lighten up. Lighten up? Oh, I should lighten up. Look who's telling who to lighten up. And his movie was actually really good. <laughs> and you know what donkey got? to be on the short-lived sitcom with CGI lions called Father of the Pride. Oh, wow. Uh, Antonio Banderas got his own movie. Donkey got to be on the the show about Siegfried and Roy's lions. Life was very strange. Life was very strange. So how did you feel after you wrote it? What was the feeling like of getting it completed? I don't think it's good. I know that's my own, like, insecurity about, like, not being able to actually write anything. But, like... It was nice to get something out that was, like, complete and coherent. Yeah. I feel like I really haven't been able to in a long time. And I also think that I, I enjoy doing reviews on the one hand, but I think I might want to start getting into some cultural analysis pieces a bit more. you have any ideas of what you want to write about in the near future? I'm not sure yet, but I have a couple, like, possibles. Okay. Well... Why didn't you like this piece? I thought I think you wrote it really well. I thought it was I thought you were clear. I don't want to say clear and to the point because I think that's kind of cutting corners a bit. But I thought you wrote it really well. Why? I just don't believe anything I've ever written is good. Like that's just a fundamental truth about me. Yeah. No. Wow. You know what's funny? Like that's a pretty normal thing apparently for for writers. I've never felt that. I felt like obviously like secondhand well not secondhand embarrassment like firsthand embarrassment of like when a point that i try to make it's not written well or like grammatical shit or whatever but i think overall like i'm i'm pretty satisfied with what i put out especially because it took me like so many years to put things out publicly Mm -hmm. but i know some writers and some artists who like they don't ever look at their old stuff anymore because they don't like it which even even people that praise what they've done, they still don't go back to their old shit. And so I guess maybe it's a good thing that you're trying to continue to better yourself as a writer or an artist, but I don't know. Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm in therapy. I'm working on it. That's that's actually a good quote. That's why I'm in therapy because I'm working on it. I was thinking about writing this weekend, but I didn't get into anything. 
uh, well, writing-wise at least. I've been kind of wanting to put something from my blog, but I don't know what to, uh, what to write about, I guess. Well, it's like one of those things where I want to write, but not inspired to write about thing X. Um, yeah. For me, I sat down with an open Google Doc and I was like, I'm going to write about the first thing that I start writing about. Like, if, whatever my idea is, we're just going with it. Was, I'm not, I literally was sitting there for a while and then I was like, so the thing about Shrek is, and I was like, oh, God damn it, brain. Why? <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. Yo, yo, yo. Thank you for listening to this loss episode. I definitely appreciate it. We definitely appreciate you. And we're going to end cancer season on a bang. <laughs> Cats of cancer, I'm cancer. Actually, today, when the episode drops, July 22nd is my birthday. So happy 35 to me. <laughs> but I do want to give a quick shout out to Kat for her amazingness overall. But then, you know, obviously her patience with me. Uh, shout out to Kellen, who, you know, greatly participated in a great expectation podcast with us. Shout out to Melissa, who does the art for our episodes. Uh, we definitely love you and we hold you up. And shout out to anyone who, you know, listens, who shares, who recommends. We definitely love you guys, too. Go on Apple, rate five stars, don't like bullshit. We need to fight the algorithm. <laughs> We're a slave to the algorithm, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess we just saved the algorithm. Fuck, let me get the fuck out of here. Enjoy summer. <laughs> Peace. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?